you know, low yields, high protein, baby, good quality. Whoa, not so much. Good day and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on RealAgriculture.com for Wednesday, September the 4th. On this episode of The Word, the weather never stops. Opportunities and updates. Some specific questions and then we're going to finish up at the end with lots of questions about wheat because it is wheat planting season. Let's go first off. Oh my gosh, there are areas in Ontario where it is still incredibly dry. In the Lindsay area, some growers have not had more than one inch of rain since June the 20th. Way too wet up until, I don't know, June the 18th. Nothing since June the 20th. It is just nasty through those areas. There are three and four foot high corn. There are soybeans with no pods on the top third of the plant that are dying back from the top down. Ouch! It just is is absolutely nasty. So my apologies. I knew it when I said two weeks ago, the drought has broken. Eehaw! I knew it wouldn't be true everywhere. And that is exactly what's going on. And we feel for you because we were all there till about two weeks ago. We could still... Still, many of us use another drink for those soybeans to keep filling those late pods. Meanwhile, we're all excited because, you know, the soybean crop, it's catching up. It's going strong. The corn looks good. Whoa, stop. As I've said before, soybeans don't catch up. They shorten the grain fill period. So that's a good thing. The edible beans, they're burning in quickly. We're going to get to edible bean harvest. And that's a good thing because that's an awesome place to plant winter wheat. But from Nature Nut Nick at Strathroy, long-term average, 2019, we are 100 crop heat units behind the 10-year rolling average based on a May the 1st start date. Oh, gosh, Johnson's corn planted the 9th of June. Walk in there and, oh, it has such a long way to go. We really do need a long open fall. We are still way behind in corn development for any of us that got June corn in. It just, it's, we caught a couple of days up in July compared to long-term average, but over the whole period, we are just struggling from a corn development standpoint. And it's not just down here in southwestern Ontario we have these challenges. Northern Ontario, talk to a grower up in northern Ontario. Spring wheat, only 45 to 60 bushels per acre. That's what, 1.3 to 1.8 tons per acre at the very high end. They would normally be at least, on average, a 2 ton per acre growing area. And lots of years they could hit 2.5 tons per acre from a spring wheat standpoint. And the other thing that just blows your mind is, you know, low yields, high protein, baby, good quality, Whoa, not so much. Only 11 to 12% protein for the most part, a little bit getting up to 12 and a half. But you'd say, how can that be? Well, super wet spring and then super dry. So early nitrogen, we may have lost some through denitrification, but even if we didn't lose it through denitrification, we ended up with nitrogen that was positionally unavailable. It was in that dry zone in the upper part of the surface. The plant couldn't get to it and so we have low yield and low protein through that area meanwhile look out 
baby, the winter wheat in that area. We talked about the grower who had seeded winter wheat into his spring canola in 2018. Well, gosh, all the soft red wheat up there, the winter wheat that they're growing up there has had an excellent year. The same grower at 45 to 60 bushel spring wheat, 126. Yes, I said 126 bushel per acre winter wheat. That is just absolutely awesome. And it just shows you that winter wheat, a little bit earlier in the grain fill period, used more of that moisture, doesn't have to make high protein. Wow, there's lots of people up there looking towards winter wheat because that's a huge difference. And that's what happens when you can keep that grain fill period in a better part of the year. We all know that we've been there, but it's really cool. So, 126 bushel wheat, can we all match that? No. Actually, the Ontario winter wheat crop with 80% of the yields reported in. And hey, wait a minute. How come it's not 100% of the winter wheat yields reported in? Okay, well, that northern Ontario, they're still at harvest. So, maybe they're not quite done there. But still should be more than 80%. Get those wheat yields reported to Agricor. But with 80% reported in... A 77 bushel per acre provincial average yield. I was really hopeful we could make 80 bushels. I don't think with that many reports already in, there's any chance of getting to 80 bushels per acre. That is 9% below the average farm yield. The average farm yield on those growers is about 84.5 bushels per acre. We're down at 77 bushels per acre. Ouch, just not what we were hoping for. But the way the year worked out, probably better than many of us thought back in about uh, the end of May, something like that. Just while I'm on winter wheat and planting season, hard red winter wheat. I cannot believe how many millers are chasing hard red winter wheat in this province. It's an opportunity but for goodness sakes, make sure that there is a premium there. You can look at the yield difference between hard red winter wheat and soft red wheat. I wish that there wasn't that yield difference, but clearly, www.gocereals.ca, that's where you're going to find that information, and it's typically about a 10% yield hit to a hard red winter wheat. Why is that? Because it takes energy to make protein. It actually takes more energy to make protein than it does to make starch. So if you have have genetics that are designed to make protein, well, they have to put more energy towards the protein, and that means they make less starch, which means a lower yield. It just, it's almost impossible to break that relationship, but the end users in Ontario are crying for hard red and winter wheat. If they come to the table with enough of a premium, we should absolutely grow to meet that market. So pay attention to that. Look around, shop around. I think there's going to be some real opportunities out there. Okay, going to move on and just give you a few quick updates. A couple of callers asking, hey, Peter, walking into my cornfield, I see all these black spots on the stem of the corn crop. Like, is that something, is that anthracnose? What's going going on that, that all these black spots, well, if you notice, all the black spots are right where the leaf kind of joins the stem. And what's happening is when the pollen dropped off the corn plant, it doesn't all get on the silk. You get some on the leaves and the water washes it down in by the stalk. And when that pollen grain gets down kind of in between the leaf sheath and the stalk itself, then the 
the saprophytic fungi attack it and we get alternaria or something like that and it turns it black and you get these black spots on the corn stalks. They mean absolutely nothing. It's not an infection in the corn. It's not going to impact yield. But wow, there's a ton of it out there, particularly in the areas that have had rain. Meanwhile, in the soybean crop, oh my gosh, in the deep southwest, the amount of sudden death syndrome hitting in those soybean fields is just unbelievable. If you are seeing sudden death symptoms, be sure to get out there, dig up plants, send away a soil sample, do something, because sudden death syndrome often re related to soybean cyst nematode, and so you want to make sure that that's not a problem, because if it is, then yeah, absolutely, and most of that area has soybean cyst nematode, particularly on the lighter soils, it's just one of those things that you have to manage once you have it, and you have to know you have it so that you can manage for it appropriately. Okay, let's move into a few specific a caller with new seeding. He underseeded some new hay in an oat and pea crop on July the 27th. Oh my gosh, that is late. late. And then he says, so when do I harvest that to protect my new seeds? Uh, July the 27th, and we really want this new alfalfa. And... Uh, Man, why did you put the oats and peas with it? Because typically we need enough growth in that alfalfa. An oat pea cover crop in May or early June is probably okay because you harvest that and then you get some window of growth for the alfalfa to build a big enough crown to survive the winter. You plant the oats and peas on July the 27th. The alfalfa struggles underneath there. Get it out of the field. You need six weeks of growth for that alfalfa crown. So I don't care what stage it's at. The earlier you harvest, like harvest it tomorrow because the alfalfa needs some weather to build a big enough crown so you have a hay crop there next year. Next question. Spring soil test. The grower normally soil tests in the spring. It was too wet. And so now I'm going to soil test this fall, which is awesome. Everybody, I repeat, Every grower in Ontario needs a current soil test on every acre. This is just a non-starter. If you like, we have to get there. Environmentally, we are indefensible if we do not have that soil test. So you have wheat acres, soil test, full stop right there, get it done. Meanwhile, this grower has applied 25 tons per acre of dry beef manure, and he's had an inch and a half of rain. He's saying, so what impact does that have? Well, certainly you're going to increase your potash levels, almost for sure. If you could soil sample, and if you know that dry beef manure is on the surface, scrape it out of the way, or maybe that top inch of soil it's worked in, try and not sample the beef manure, because it, it's going to have an impact, and it's, it's just one of those things that's really hard to work around. It would have been much better if we could have soil test before we put on that dry beef manure. Marv, you asked about lawn trail, so I talked about lawn trail. Don't go wild on this. We have not got a lot of research. This was a suggestion from Mike Cobra because it's Western Canadian data and we're going to look at this. But Marv's question was, well, can I spray lawn trell on my rye crop in the spring because I have south thistle as a problem and then harvest the rye as a forage crop and grow corn after that? And the answer, Marv, probably is yes, but I don't even know if lawn trell is registered on cereal rye in the spring here in Ontario. And I just, I just think for sure we know we can use lawn trell in corn, no question about that, but be careful as we go down that road. We want to make sure that we're doing the right thing and we, we don't want to get into any 
unacceptable residues in that forage crop going into the cattle. Okay, Tom, you asked about burning down your alfalfa before winter wheat. So yes, if you can pre-harvest the alfalfa, that's where we get the best kill. Why is that? Well, because we've got a big canopy there and we don't have to wait for plant regrowth. So get the glyphosate on pre-harvest, leave it at least four days, better if you can leave it seven days, then cut it. You don't put anything else with the glyphosate. Number one, it's not registered. Number two, the alfalfa is too far advanced at this stage for something like 2,4-D to help. I just, I can't see how that's going to bring anything to the table. And we can always do something about alfalfa after the fact. It would be the other things like the Italian ryegrass in there that, that we really need a good rate of glyphosate to make sure we get control on those. Cool. Okay, we're going to move into the wheat crop. And so first off, Al, you're asking about MEZ versus MAP. Apparently, MEZ has come down in price. So that's the microessential sulfur zinc. It's got some sulfur in there. It's got some zinc in there. And it's essentially MAP with sulfur and zinc. Of course, a little bit less nitrogen, a little bit less phosphorus because you have the added sulfur and zinc. And Al's saying, okay, so now it's only $25 a ton more than MAP. Is it now a better deal to purchase that and use that with my wheat seed as my starter fertilizer instead of MAP? So Al, in the data that Shane and I have done, we have seen no yield benefit whatsoever to the MEZ. What I will say is that in the MEZ, half of the sulfur is elemental sulfur, so long term that builds your sulfur supply in the soil and zinc is a micronutrient that certainly if as we take micronutrients out eventually we have to add those micronutrients oftentimes we're putting zinc on with the corn crop and we do see at least a visual response there but in the data that we have tried we've looked at at zincs repeatedly on wheat in Ontario conditions, we just don't seem to see any response whatsoever. So as far as the wheat crop this year, I see no benefit to MEZ versus MAP. If the MEZ is $25 a ton more on the wheat crop, no, it's still not worthwhile. Long term, in terms of what other nutrients you could bring to the sub subsequent corn crops, those things, that is a different discussion. Another grower saying, hey, Peter, what about zinc with my G24, my 624-6 liquid fertilizer on my wheat crop? Again, exactly the same answer. We've tried it. We have not seen any yield benefit to that fall applied zinc with the wheat. Wheat doesn't seem to need zinc as much as corn. And so at this point, if it costs you $4 an acre, we'd kind of say, yeah, Scott, I, I don't think that's the place to spend your $4 an acre. But these, you know, this is all data that we, Shane and I have done over the last 15 years, and some of it's fairly old. So do some strips, absolutely do some plots, figure it out, and let us know if we need to relook those things. Mark, you're asking about 50 pounds of MAP seed placed versus 100 pounds of MAP broadcast. Now, the problem here is that this is rented land, and it's low-fertility rented land. And herein lies one of the dilemmas that we face in agriculture. Low soil test ground is lower yielding fields. It's just the way it works. Meanwhile, it's rented ground. Nobody wants to put on the fertility. And so, Mark, in this particular situation, it takes four times, I repeat, four times the amount of broadcast fertility to equal the same amount of fertility seed placed with the wheat crop. It's just the way that it works. And so, if you say 50 pounds seed placed versus 100 pounds broadcast, well, for this year's wheat crop, the 50 
50-pound seed placed is going to give you more yield impact. The problem is 50 pounds of MAP is 23 pounds of phosphorus. A decent wheat crop is going to take out 50 or more pounds of phosphorus. So at least the 100 pounds broadcast would be 52 pounds of phosphorus and sort of maintain the phosphorus in that rented field as opposed to having a tank yet again. So it's a real challenge to figure out which is better based on are you going to have that rented field next year or not. But uh, I'm still, I'm a seed-placed phosphorus guy. There's just no question about that. Okay, lots of questions, by the way. I'm going to finish up here now, but there's been a ton of questions about how early can I seed winter wheat? Can I seed winter wheat after corn silage? What about after... Pre, uh, prevent plant acres. How's that all come together? We did a video on real agriculture. So go to the website, www.realagriculture.com. It's my video. You can see it there. There's also, by the way, a great video there on pre-harvest glyphosate by Jeremy Bochin out of Alberta Agriculture. So have a look at both of those. If you have more questions after watching those videos, then email me, text me, tweet me, whatever, and we'll cover them on next week's update. The one quick note that I do need to address, am I better off to broadcast winter wheat into soybeans dropping their leaves or seed it after the soybeans come off? Well, gosh, if, as soon as you broadcast it, you give up a potential 10% in yield, assuming you can get the winter wheat planted after the soybeans come off. That's the big challenge. So there is no perfect answer to that one. But the drilled wheat often still yields at least as much, if not even more, than the broadcast wheat, just the way that comes together. Look at that! 17 minutes on the nose! That's it. That's all on behalf of the team here at RealAgriculture.com. This is Wheat Beat with the word for Wednesday, September the 4th. Leave me lots of questions, lots of feedback. I'll have tons to talk about next week, which is exactly what I will do next Wednesday. Talk to you then.